Good morning, everyone. God bless you guys, and welcome to episode one of season two of Community of Fire Weekly. We have with us our special guest today is Jeremiah Carswell from Tennessee. We're thrilled to have him back with us. We're going to be discussing the sovereignty of God, which is a vital um, topic to be discussing, especially with what is going on um, in America right now, especially with what's going on with the election. And um, we're looking forward to having a great conversation. So we're going to get him on the line here. And God bless you guys. Want to welcome you to the start of our new season, and I'm thrilled to have you with us. Hey, brother, I'm here. Hey, brother, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Oh, good. Works this time. That's <laughs> yeah, perfect. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being on today. Yeah, you uh, too, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, sure. So, I thought today we'd talk about, um, if if you'd like, uh, just the sovereignty of God. Yeah, covering the sovereignty of God, and especially with regard to everything going on in, in the country uh, right now with the, the election and everything else going on. Sure. And uh, just kind of wanted to bring out a couple points, uh, kind of pulling it up on my own. Um, so kind of what, what I was wanting to cover today on my own is that uh, the sovereignty of God does not mean that his will is automatic. And his sovereignty is defined in the fact that he gave us free will to accomplish it. Uh, but at the same time, it has produced um, kind of a sense of laziness and lukewarmness uh, among Christians, kind of a laid-back um, mindset. Uh, and uh, so I think there's there's a big difference between um, accomplishing his will and his sovereignty in that respect that... Um, you know, the word tells us that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Right. Um, and to say this is all, also to see that if there are, are effectual prayers, then likewise there are ineffectual prayers. Right. And to know the difference, we must know the will of God, the nature of God, and the character of God. So kind of what we're seeing in the, uh, what we've been observing in the country as of late, as of the last few months, is, is just that kind of sense of, well, everything that goes on is in God's control anyway, so it must be, he must yes. have a plan, you know, and we've seen right. that that same thing take place in, in the healing realm as well. So I was kind of just wanting to uh, bounce that off you and, and see what kind of thoughts you had with regard to that subject. <laughs> that sounds perfect to me. I mean, it's, it's always kind of, especially in times like this when people have no other options, when they have nothing else to turn to, they don't think there's, there's a legitimate reasoning. The first fallback we have is, well, God must be in control. Yeah, yeah. And it not only it not only uh, makes people lazy in the sense of just creating this this uh, uh, lethargic response, but it also uh, alleviates any type of responsibility that we're supposed to take because we can just sit back and do nothing. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a very necessary subject to cover, and I'm glad you're hitting it. Absolutely. Well, I know you have a lot of thoughts on that subject, so I kind of wanted to leave the microphone in your hands, but at the same time, just kind of, um, you know, interject now and then. But <laughs> it's, yeah, by all means, I, I think I think just Holy Spirit like collaborating between the two of us really hits a lot of we really hit a lot of points. So yeah, don't, I really don't leave it. Hate I to, take the whole thirty minutes, but don't leave it up to me. Right, right. <laughs> I kind of hate to you know bring politics into the 
into the mix a lot of times when we're talking about these things, but at the same time, that's kind of been the focal point of the of the nation right now. And right. no matter what side you're on, uh, you know, as as we as we've always said, is that it's not really about the candidates, but also about the it's it's about the platform and what they stand right. for. And regardless of whether they've accomplished it or not, it's it's the intent of the heart. And um, so I think. Uh, you know, it's just been startling to me um, with regard to the Christian stance, how how we've had such a laissez-faire kind of attitude about the whole thing. And um, it's like uh, the church is, is trying to take a physical, um, physical standpoint against a spiritual matter, if, if that makes sense. Um, right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're fighting we're fighting spiritual things with physical uh words and actions right and that's it's right. kind of startling to me that it's it's come to that but that's that's what i've been observing in in the country lately anyway so sure has absolutely right uh one thing i've noticed about people is that it draws out of them real quickly what their what their default uh, power sources and if they're more confident in what they know or what they think they know that'll be their that'll be their default uh, defense mechanism and unfortunately we're not seeing we're seeing the opposite of the principle that our weapons the weapons of our warfare are not carnal yeah you know you're seeing people actually react and respond um in a a carnal way yeah. even if it's for a righteous purpose and it's still not legitimate but I think there's a greater thing going on um, in regard to our position as ambassadors of Christ, and that is in regard to Second Corinthians five. Mm-hmm. That as ambassadors, Paul starts out talking right there that we should, you know, love compels us. We should regard no one according to their flesh. Yes, and that and that means not reacting out of the flesh, even holding ourselves in regard to the spirit, so that we re- so that we can respond appropriately out of the spirit. Yeah, that's so, so good. I mean, that's a big factor. Yeah, yeah, you're you're, you're kind of not seeing that responding out of the spirit um, coming from the spiritual aspect uh, right now. It's um, you know we've seen a lot of pastors you know leaving their posts and and joining the fight on the in the streets and that type of thing and right. and kind of drawing those those racial boundaries again. And it's like right. we're we're kind of supposed to be above that, even though. There obviously are black and white uh, issues in the country and so forth, but we know better. <laughs> That's right. As far as um, you know, who the real enemy is, and so I guess that's what's been frustrating to me on that on that end is that they take the same attitude if they you know had cancer in their body or you know whatever it is. It's it's like uh, when you apply one principle to something. You apply it to everything in your life, right. and so right. you get a picture of how their spiritual life is based on you know how they're reacting to certain situations. And that's what I mean is this: these type of scenarios draw out real quickly what our power sources. We can talk all we want to, but when when it comes to the adversary rising up hard against us, the proving of our faith is exactly what comes out. Um, Amen. It, it yeah. proves where we are in faith. So. Yeah. We, all we got to do is continue this conversation and we'll have a good podcast. <laughs> well, absolutely. I, I might stall a couple times, but 
I think, uh, yeah, I, I think what really drives these these conversations, though, is is your kind of the foundation of of faith in general. And so, uh, I think what we're seeing now is is the lack of faith among people. I mean, um, especially just specifically speaking uh, politically, with with the prophetic words that are that are coming out, and um, you know encouraging people that God is saying that this is not going to be a dark time, that things are going to turn around and that everything is going to be good. And then the moment that we see that it's not, even for five seconds, we want to turn the blame on somebody and, you know, immediately go to that. And so it's like all of our, all of our spiritual understanding just goes out the window the minute that we see anything in the natural. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Which isn't new, but it's kind of really ex- accelerated, it would appear. For Yeah. It does. It seems like the more the more escalated um, our circumstances are, the more exposing those circumstances do on our character and yeah. our faith. Um, so it's, it's not a slam against anybody. It's just a reality check. Yeah, because the axiom of faith is you will do what you believe. That's the truth. Yeah. So it's uh, I, I kind of like it. I, I mean, I hate I hate the turmoil that the world is in, but uh, n- nobody 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 discovers who the spirit of God in them is to the fullest without it being challenged. So yeah, yeah, and I think that we're through that challenge. We're finding that the people that wouldn't rise up before are. are suddenly you know finding a voice to rise up and then others are not so right it's, it's a little uh, it's kind of interesting in terms of the people that who have not um you know you just never know who you're dealing with as far just, as right and just in regard to the sovereignty of god you know i've heard this before you know somebody has a heart attack or somebody you know comes down with something and all of a sudden the, the, the religious mindset would be the god is in control mindset would say well god had to get you on your back in order to get your attention right no yes. you ended up on your back but he he did not put you there he would have preferred you to give him your attention a long time ago <laughs> and but that's kind of the same way it is here now it's like we're, you know, God's not causing anything in regard to uh, the enemy's favor or the attack of the enemy on our nation or us as individuals. Yes. But there's nothing that the enemy can do that the, that the Father doesn't already have an answer for. And therefore, it seems confusing sometimes because it almost seems like, well, God must have had a plan for this thing. No, he had a plan and an answer for the thing. He didn't cause it to begin with. Right, right. I think there's a big confusion between those two. It is. Times, so. It absolutely is. <laughs> Especially with healing and all that. We, we've known that. But uh, I like how, how uh, Curry Blake always, you know, w- with regard to healing, he would always say, you know, uh, you want to treat, treat the enemy as though, you know, he was a muddy pig, you know, jumping on your on your brand new sheets. Right. And would, would you talk to him calmly and tell him now, come on, pig, get off the bed? <laughs> or right. would you... <laughs> take authority and so it's kind of the same thing not just with healing but in general with everything that's going on with the enemy's attacks right are are you really going to sit back and just say oh god's in control or 
I guess it comes down to how personal you take it. And, well, yeah. yeah, and a lot of it, it, it is, it is how personal you take it. it is it really immediate to you? But secondly, yeah. it gets back to that equipping, um, you know, which Curry does so well, and and it gets back to whether or not people have been equipped. The reason, again, it's not to put a put a point of finger or put a blame on anybody. The reason people default to that God is in control is because they're not sure what to do about it, which shows the evidence yeah. of an ill-equipped church. That's for sure. Yes. So it just proves how much work, you know, those of us who have matured in the kingdom, how much work we have to do. That's for sure. So I guess it just depends on where you're getting where you're getting fed yeah. as far as that goes, because there's so many different. Um, applications to that sovereignty aspect that, that um, it just depends on how you're taught and who you're taught by and what their beliefs are and right. it comes down to whether you believe a person or whether you believe the word and, and your interpretation of that word I guess so that's the truth which is, it's not too hard I mean I think it's it's really hard to uh, interpret the word of God, when you've got so much doctrine, false or, or right, it's hard to have an original thought when you've got so much doctrine sewn into you. And honestly, it's it really just requires the word of God and the original intent of the word of God mm-hmm. in the original language. It's really all you need. For that, ultimately, all you need is a lexicon. <laughs> right, so that's for sure. Yeah, boy, that's coming handy with me lately. Yeah. I mean, that's really it, because that just weeds out all the things that we've been taught. Whether we've been taught right or wrong, we still need to own it. We still need to have it in, in firsthand revelation in order to stand firmly on it. Because true, yeah, that's true. true confidence comes from knowing what you're talking about. And when you see people that are not standing up in confidence, it's because they, they feel inadequate. They feel as though they're not sure what the answer is, so they have to default to uh, God's plan. Yeah, and that's where it comes where it comes down to not not really you know not condemning anybody in the flesh because they don't know any better, right. and it may frustrate you because you do. But right, right. <laughs> so many, so there's so much doctrine as you as you said out there that it's it's really. Uh, well, I, I'm not I'm not excused from that. I mean, uh, I've been walking this road now for over ten years, but for ten years pastoring before that, what the heck was I teaching? Because it sure wasn't, yeah, it sure wasn't well, equipping people. It was just religious perpetuation, you know, doctrine that I've, I, I came up learning. Um, so I, I definitely can relate with with uh, lack of understanding and, and, and not knowing how to equip. But at some point, you got to start questioning the same thing I did. Begin to say, all right, why are we not seeing the fruits and the productivity in the same form and fashion that we saw in the book of Acts and, and beyond it because that was Boy, our yeah. starting point and that's all I yeah. began to question and it put me on this road of of walking out the kingdom with evidence with fruit so, that's amazing that was 10 years ago yeah I started that I turned 40 yesterday and I was about 20 did you really? I was about 29 or 30 when, when I started this road wow well yeah I, I know that the first time you you really um really hit that road it's 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 something because you it's like your whole world is rocked in terms of the doctrine that you've been brought up in and then the doctrine maybe that you've been teaching and and everything just gets shaken up and so well it shook uh, me so hard even at at 29 years old after having pastored uh for nine or ten years it shook me mm -hmm. so hard 
that I felt like, even though I had a relationship with God, uh, to the degree of my understanding, it felt like I got truly born again because I was truly enlightened to truth. And it rocked, it rocked me so hard that I was one of six pastors on staff, and I was one I was the only one that got baptized again in front of the entire congregation. That's so well. I didn't, have to, I didn't have to do it, but for me, that was the first time I really felt like born of a new spirit, as though I understand the kingdom of God now. Well, that's something else. I, I can kind of relate to that because when I was uh, – I had been baptized. I was baptized when I was five, but I've heard different things about, you know, how you don't really know everything at five. So, like, are you are you really saved? That kind of thing there. So that kind of uh, that kind of stuck with me over the years. And I think when I was so I was 27 when I got rebaptized, so to speak. Yeah. I was the <laughs> same way. I was, I was four years old, grew up in the church, uh, began working in ministry full-time when I was around 16 or 17 years old and uh, and it wasn't until I was 29 years old I realized man I've really been missing it and I got baptized not because I had to I really believed that my baptism at four years old was retroactive to the point of my revelation you know uh-huh. uh, so I didn't have to do it but for me it was a demonstration of of, of for myself that man I this is not just some passive scripture now I really have laid down the old man, and I'm going to walk in this revelation of truth because to me it was um, like it yeah. was like brand new life. Yeah. And it hit me. I'm not a very emotional person, but I, I, I like I <laughs> cried for two hours before I got in the water, and I cried for two hours afterwards, just touched. So you know that to me was a <laughs> as far as salvation experiences go. That that was that was really mine. Wow, that's amazing. Did you, uh, so did you start uh, speaking in tongues when you got baptized? Or uh, No, that's, that. that's the funny thing. That's why I said I had a relationship with God, but you, you know, your relationship only takes you as far as, I mean, your only re- relationship only goes as far as your understanding. Um, yeah, yeah. So I understood those things. I didn't understand about walking in, the, in, a, in authority, but I did understand mm-hmm. the gifts to the extent that they were preached in, which allowed me to speak in tongues. So I got baptized in the Spirit when I was 17 years old. And I was really, I was one of the only teenagers um, that would get up and go to 5 a.m. prayer. And, wow. Um, wow. and I was walking around one day, and I heard other people praying in tongues, and I simply said, Father, if this is a gift, then I want it. And I don't remember anything happening to me. I didn't have, you know, uh, I didn't have angels' wings or <laughs> Or gold dust and nothing happened. I just began to open my mouth and immediately a language came out that I'd never spoken before. Um, and from 17 years old, I just began to speak in tongues. And it, that, it was, just as, it was just as simple as that. It wasn't anything really extravagant, but I've never stopped doing it since. That's amazing. That's amazing. So uh, did you, did you uh, understand about tongues when you started speaking them? Or, or uh, you know, did you really understand the fullness of like what, what it means to speak in tongues and everything, or did you just start doing it and then kind of learn on the way as far as, you know, the, the importance of, of well, it? Well, I understood. For like a it's kind of kinda like, it's kind of like sixth grade math, seventh grade math takes mm-hmm. you, is the mm-hmm. first step going into deeper maths. So it's like, did I understand pre-algebra? Yeah, but it, algebra began to expand as I got further in high school. And it's kind of that way with tongues. I understood that the Holy Spirit prays through me uh, the perf- the perfect will of God. I understood that He made intercession on my behalf, and I understood that I uh-huh. spoke, misspoke mysteries of God. But what those things meant, I did not understand. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of like me too. I know that, well, I definitely didn't start speaking when I was five years old. So <laughs> it was more like about 17 or so for me as well. But I kind of just started emulating other people around me and I just started, you know, saying the alphabet basically, doing the, the syllable yeah. thing. And then all of a sudden it would come to me. But I didn't really get the revelation of the, the fullness of what it meant to do that and, and everything that, you know, the, the power in it basically. Right, right. Uh, until way later. So. Same here. I, I, I built on a foundation, and, and I didn't have to start any of the promptings or something. As, as, as soon as I asked for it, I just believed that I could do it, and it mm-hmm. just that's also how I got started with healing. I did. I was out on the streets healing before I ever found JGLM or David Hogan. In fact, I didn't find JGLM until a couple of years after I found David Hogan. Really? Yeah. So yeah. I just, I just yeah. got out there just because, you know, Mark 16 said believers will, and I said, well, if I'm a believer, then I will, and um, and that's how I got started. So it was kind of like that with tongues. I just kind of said, well, it's not I can, so I'm going to. And I just opened my mouth and began to begin to formulate syllables that just begin to flow out of me like like a faucet. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't yeah. in total control of it, but I wasn't in control necessarily of the, the enunciation, per se. It was just flowing. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, yeah. I can say for me it was kind of a mix. So I was kind of in control of it some of the time, and then other times I wasn't. Yeah. So, um, I kind of started out in control of it because I thought I had to be. I had to be in control of it. So yeah, and that's you know, and, and since that time, um, just like now, I can just begin to pray in the spirit, and w- within just a within just a few seconds, my spirit is flowing out of me, and. Uh, at best, all I can say is that my my mouthpiece is being used, but I'm not I'm not directly in control of forming anything. Um, mm-hmm. And it comes the same way with interpreting it as well. That uh, as I'm flowing, what comes to mind and what, what wells up in my spirit, as far as knowledge goes, is is completely uh-huh. involuntary. And so, it's kind of the same way with the tongues themselves, you know. They just they flow out, but I can shut it off and turn it on as at will. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, since we're on that subject, uh, I would like to bring up um, my so my niece, my wife's uh, niece, actually in the Philippines. She um, she actually got born again when um, after my wife had left the Philippines and, and came to America. Because we we got married over there, and then I had to come back here and and you know file the paperwork and all that stuff to to bring her over and then um she got she got born again and then she ended up marrying a uh, a a co-pastor of a church uh her niece did over there and just one day all of a sudden she started um practicing speaking in tongues she had never done it before she's kind of part of a uh well it's it's a pentecostal church but they just they're more I don't know how to put it, but they're more of like a corporation than a church, so to speak. So they don't um, they don't teach people how to walk in the gifts, like I guess you could say. Um, they just kind of do it, and then um, they're they're kind of a mega church, so they don't really have a lot of um, teaching in terms of uh, hands on type stuff. So she kind of did it on her own, and uh, that was great. But then. So now she speaks in tongues to the point where um, she can just be in in a situation 
and all of a sudden the tongues will just pour out of her like like she's it's almost like emotional tongues and so i was wondering about your your thoughts on that if you had any um so by by just pouring out of her it becomes involuntary just yeah i guess in terms of that and is that um in your from your understanding is that uh something that is permissible i guess you could say in the public or what would you say about that um so so a situation comes up or even they're praying for somebody in the church or something like that and all of a sudden um she'll just start sobbing and then the the tongues will just come out like warfare yeah. literal just warfare and she has no control over it and um to a point she has some control but um when it comes out it just kind of flows out just just like water yeah. coming out the spigot and so the uh over there at the church the church that she's going to is uh this this um christian fellowship church and they're not really sure what to do with her with regard to that so they always send her out of the room when she's doing that and so i was kind of wondering about your thoughts on um the control aspect whether or not it is permissible to allow that in the church or do we have to be religious about that or, or, or what? Well, in terms of instruction, I believe we have the instruction, which you and I both know very well, that Paul said that if you speak in a tongue without an interpretation, it edifies no one but the speaker. So mm-hmm. in terms of that, there's an order to it that, 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 sh- that there should be someone uh, uh, to interpret. But I also, I also mm-hmm. see that there is, you know, she does it in an open way that becomes um, publicly observable, obviously, that's why they're excusing her, and 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 is she being prophetic? You know, is it is it this intercessory thing that she is that she is, that the Holy Spirit is like prompting her to go into? In which case, I don't care who's listening or who's not listening. This is between me and him. <laughs> but yeah. but on the other yeah. hand, if she if she is doing it prophetically in a sense that uh, the those who are the hearers need to receive something from it, we don't have an example of that except for when there is an interpreter. Uh, in order for it to edify yeah. the hearers. Secondly, um, especially in, if it's a congregation like what you described, and and they're not used to that sort of mm-hmm. thing, then obviously you're going to have yeah. you're likely to have a lot of seeker friendly uh, atmosphere going on, which means newcomers come into the church, and that oddness, that weirdness of that tongue becomes a stumbling block in a sense to them because it, it, it's, if it's going to if it shakes the church up, then surely it's going to shake an unbeliever up. Is my yeah, point. So yeah. the order of it to me is 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 pretty obvious in the sense that um, if it's not edifying because there's no interpretation, then it's only edifying the hearer. I, I saw a man yeah. one time who was one of the pastors on staff where I was, and he began to approach a man who was out of order. Uh, it was very obvious out of order uh, in his in his relationship with his wife, but the man came up to him, the pastor came up to him, and began to point his finger and speak to him. In an aggressive tongue, and oh, and I, okay. and I, I stepped in, and the senior pastor stepped in, and basically diffused the situation, and said, "This is out of order," um, because the man who was being spoken to was not going to receive anything that was in the tongue, uh, mm-hmm. because number one, it wasn't being interpreted, and number two, if he was in the state where he's not going to receive something in spirit, the spirit's edification for us is by spirit, not in the natural. And so, if you're going yeah. to speak naturally by the Spirit, then I don't think the I don't think the natural benefits from it at all. Yeah. And so that, yeah. I think that would be very similar to this scenario. Um, 
It is. But I, yeah. I, I, at the same time, as I said, if this be, if it's an intercessory thing, there's a second part. That's to me the practical side of things and following the instruction that Paul gave to the churches. But there's another side of this too. Perhaps it's only there to stir that congregation to say, we need to really step up our game here because we're missing something. We don't know what to do with this. I'll give you an example. When we were in Uganda, our first okay. night there, yeah. uh, our first night in the rural area uh, where we had about 30 mm-hmm. people in the crusade, as soon as we walked in there, there was a, 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 a group of people over to the side of the church building. Um, and it was dark, so we couldn't see what was going on. But I saw somebody welling and screaming and kicking and whatnot. And I saw a group of guys, a group of guys surrounding whoever was laying on the ground. And we weren't sure exactly what was going on, but you know, discernment kicked in, and I kind of figured it, it was it was it was a demonic manifestation. So we go in there. I was supposed to be the first one preaching. As we get uh-huh. as we get settled and we're getting ready, and they're still doing worship and praise. Somebody who just had never met me before comes and grabs me by the wrist, and we go walking outside. Um, and, and as soon as I get up to the situation, I noticed that they have this, this girl around about 20 years old, basically hot uh-huh. and they were holding her down. And that, oh and that really angered okay. me. And I said, let yeah. her go, turn her loose now. And they said, they said, well. uh, they said, they said, well, she's, she's going to bite and attack. I said, no, she won't. You have the authority of Christ. Use it. You know, somewhere, somewhere along those lines. Wow. And they turned her loose, and I straddled her and pointed her in her face. I said, you shut up and be still in the name of Jesus. And she just got she just got wow. still and, like, almost locked her body up. And then she would, the guys, I'm straddling her, and the guys were surrounding her, and she would turn and try to grab their ankles and bite them, but she would not touch me. And, wow. uh, and, okay. and so let's just use that as an example for just a moment. The, that was completely... Yeah. Uh, disorderly as far as the church service goes but yet it was necessary in order to teach them you're missing something here you need to step up your game and i and i would not put it i would not put it uh in fact i i I would kind of like to be in a church service like that i kind of like to be somebody sitting there and 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 know that someone began to move by the spirit and, and prophesy in the spirit um not just not just to to, to observe and to, to create a, a, a step up challenge for everyone, but also to be the one to, to mm-hmm. actually have the audacity to take on the interpretation so that people could benefit from it, and that might spark them. You know, what you and I what you and I walk yeah. walk in is not evangelism. A lot of time, most of the time, it's just training people to believe what they say they believe. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I spend ninety percent of my time is not evangelism. My, most of mine is, is is that equipping for the believers, uh, ultimately teaching mm-hmm. them what they have claimed to believe since they since they got saved, but they don't walk in. So therefore, the evidence is again the axiom of the axiom of faith is you will do what you believe. Um, and so I would, yeah, I, 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 I can honestly say I don't frown upon the idea of her busting loose in some tongue because. They'll either kick it out, kick her out, or they will get on board. Yeah, that's kind of how I, I yeah. thought. So I, you know, without being firsthand with the situation, that that's my that's my best judgment on the matter. Yeah, yeah, and having seen it like more than once now, because when we were in the Philippines, uh, when we were doing the DHT over there, then uh, she would actually be our our um, kind of we had a mobile ministry basically, so we went went around and. 
she had a lot of friends over there that needed uh, needed prayer and needed ministry, uh, sick people and different things like that. So that was kind of our side thing uh, while we were over there. And uh, almost every time we went there, she would, uh, within five, six, seven minutes of, of either meeting the person or ministering to them, um, she would just bust out in the same thing. And it was just, it was, it was, uh, it was startling, not startling, uh, startling in a good way, but just like, wow, I've, I've never heard yeah, of that no, before. I've, I've, been in, I've been in, you know, to me, that was kind of normal. I, I've, I've witnessed that sort of thing before. Yeah. But the problem is uh-huh. in this situation um, that was different than what I experienced was there, were, there was always an interpreter. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, too, because the church, I don't I don't know fully what they believe and what they, you know, they're, they're obviously very strict, stringent as far as, the, you know, the, the order and the norms and different things like that. So I don't know if they even leave room for tongues or anything like that, because I haven't heard one way or the other whether or not they, you know, either speak in tongues themselves. So that might also right. be kind of a, a turn off to them, so to speak, but... Uh, at the same time, yeah, I would think it would wake them up. Yes, absolutely. Um, that, and that's my thing. If, if there's a, if there's any chance of of them coming awake, or you sleeper <laughs> scenario, then yeah, then yeah. yeah, by all means, let's, let's let's stir the pot or get out. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Well, and then also, you're uh, so you guys are leaving next month to go to. Uh, Kenya, yeah, right? in uh, January the fourth, or actually, we're leaving January second. January second. Wow! So it's yeah. coming up here. Well, we've got about, uh, gosh, only about six minutes left on the recording here. But you want you want to talk a little bit about what you guys have planned over there, or do you have a plan? Yeah, yet, we're or? actually going to be going and um, being primarily. We'll we'll do a lot of evangelism, a lot of street evangelism, and training people for, for market ministry uh-huh. and, and, and things like that. But uh, mm-hmm. We will simultaneously be evangelizing on the streets and training at the same time with some uh, some training and, and healing crusades as well. So it's oh, that's it's, great. it's multifaceted in the, the, the capacity uh-huh. of our visit. Um, we're looking forward to uh, this particular pastor and bishop. There is Benjamin uh, McConney, I believe his last name is in, but I've known him as, as Benjamin Wayward. A lot of people on Facebook have seen him. He's, I guess he's, he's a good, uh, gets a good circulation <laughs> with various people on Facebook. Oh yes, yes. I know, yeah. I know him too. So, yeah. You know yeah. He, he's is. Really he came to Uganda to get trained and, uh, and, but he's from okay. Kenya and he oversees, uh, uh, quite a few churches and an orphanage, an orphanage, uh-huh. about 200 orphans. Um, and so wow. the work we're going to be doing there is is primarily for the same purpose we did in Uganda, which was to train believers to get busy with mm-hmm. with a uh, a demonstration of the gospel um, to set the oppressed free. And one of the things that when we when we were in Uganda, yeah. one of the things that that was presented to us was that as they get out on the streets and and begin to evangelize, that people aren't receptive to it because there is so much false doctrine. Uh, in in terms of kind of uh-huh. Nicolaitan um, atmosphere with people, meaning there there there's this hierarchy of spiritual power and leadership and authority, and you got to go to a man of God to get this. And in many cases, they'll charge you for 
a word of prophecy or charge you for healing or something like that. And so um, when when we were in we Uganda, yeah. we really blasted those doctrines because we wanted people to be set free as believers to do the work of the kingdom at will. And and so, but because because that's all they had seen, a lot of people reject Christianity. Um, and I and I'm, I'm imagining it's, it's it's very similar to that in various parts of Africa. Uh, but mm. I was told specifically by the group that I was taken out on the streets in Uganda that they they're not well received a lot of times. I said, well, I think it's I think it's because I we go out with this mentality of trying to recruit people onto our team versus going out and serving them and giving them something. And that gift, that power of the Holy Spirit that works oh, okay. would, would draw them. It's just like we know about. You know, the tender loving kindness of the Father that draws men to repentance, it creates reason for them to desire the Father. And and I said, Take me to take me to the busiest yeah. you know, because we had we had to leave the, the, the church grounds where we were, and I said, Take me to the uh the, the, the busiest corner, the street corner, because it's a downtown area. Take me to the busiest street mm-hmm. corner where you know there's gonna be some sick people there or somebody who's lame. And that's exactly what happened. We went down there and I had fifteen or seventeen or so um uh, uh, believers with me and, and, and we all, you know, we, we split up, we had several leaders and each leader split up with a group and we went down to this, uh, to this, this street corner where this, this man was lame, uh, had some disease in his leg and long story uh-huh. short, he got healed. His wife got healed. She had it. She was actually born with a short leg, which is about right at three inches short and it grew out. But that was the last thing that took place. The first thing that took place was he got healed. And when he got healed, it was obvious that he was not a believer. But when he got healed, he looked at us and pointed and and said, I want Yesu, which was, you know, Yeshua, Jesus. He said, I want Jesus. Yes. And I, I, I showed wow. them afterwards. I said, you see that I didn't have to actually preach salvation to him. He asked for it after he received from the Father. I said, and that's the Amazing. difference. That's the difference wow. in evangelizing with uh, the heart to serve, the heart to give out, and to actually to to set the oppressed free, because that's what Isaiah fifty eight talks about. The fast that God has chosen chosen is not this self inflicted thing that that we're trying to get God's attention. Uh, it is more important that we set the oppressed free, and that as a lifestyle uh, is His heart. Yeah, and so that's basically what I what I spent the time training them on is don't try to go out and try to evangelize people for the sake of getting them on, getting them on your Christian team. You know, we're, right. not, we're not trying to get people into heaven as fast as we are trying to get the kingdom into people. And we have to demonstrate that first or else we've got nothing. Well, it's like T.L. Osborne said, uh, the, 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 the Christianity without the power, without the demonstration of the power of God is just another religious philosophy. Yeah. So, so instead good. of getting yeah. out there and evangelizing them to try to get them, you know, to say a prayer of salvation. I taught them, we taught them how to go out there and serve and to deliver the gospel to them in a very tangible way to set them free from oppression of the enemy. Now, let me tell you what happened with this old man that got healed. Immediately, he said, yes. I want Jesus. And so he received Jesus and immediately went around to the entire street corner and began to preach to the people because that entire community knew that he was lame. And now they saw that he was healed. And the next thing that happened was me and about 15 or 16 or 17 trainees were swarmed with people coming up wanting Jesus. That is, that is just amazing. So he went from being an unsaved, <laughs> wow, lame, wow. lamed, uh, unbeliever to becoming a believer and immediately began and became an evangelist because he went around and told everybody and they came up and everybody, and when we're casting demons out, people are getting healed. 
you, you, I just everything under the sun, it, we're, 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 we're hitting it. And that, to me, I said, when we were done, I said, I stopped everybody on the corner as we, we finally finished and headed back to the, to the church grounds where we were. I said, that's the gospel. This is how the gospel looks. People will be drawn Amen. to it when they well, see the love of the Father working in and through you. They'll desire it. You won't have to, you won't have to, uh, to convince anybody. They'll want it. So you took the power of demonstration, basically, and not, not just the entire That's what Paul said. You know, know, I didn't come to you with those eloquent words. I Absolutely. came to you with a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and with power. And it happens through love. Amen. I wanted these people set free. <laughs> and it turns out, turns out they wanted yep. to be set free. <laughs> so, uh, that's the same thing we're going to do in Kenya is, you know, Benjamin came and he was part of the team there that got trained um, as a pastor. And he, he's taken it back to his his uh, area. Um, but he, he wants further training for his pastors and for the people within his congregations. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to we're going to go train, teach and set the oppressed free. That's amazing. Well, God bless you guys. And uh, love to have you back on when you guys get back. And uh Here's Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm sure we'll have plenty to go, so I'll uh, be glad to share them. Oh, wonderful. Well, we've got like two minutes left, Jeremiah, so what would you want to do? you want to pray uh, for those that are, are listening into this podcast or have any last words that you Yeah, I just want to say one last thing regarding what we started out with. Uh, you know, the, the sovereignty of God is always for your benefit, not for your detriment. Um, meaning that, that He has empowered you and He has uh commissioned you without you deserving it so don't expect to have to earn it so in order yeah. to do it just get busy and the value of it will come to manifestation for you um his sovereignty has never been for our detriment it's always been for our benefit in other words we know that he is justice he is righteous he is holy uh, and with that justice being sovereign he has in reserves the sovereign right to not give us what we deserve and instead give us what we don't deserve. The mercy of God Amen. is that we didn't yeah. receive what we deserve, but the grace of God is that he empowers us with what we did not earn. And that is the salvation and the authority of Christ. So I just encourage you with that. The sovereignty of God, is, if you ever have a question about the sovereignty of God and whether or not God's in control of things and he's allowing or permitting or this or that, if it does not reflect the character of Christ, then we're talking about the wrong God. So let's Amen. just leave it at that. But yeah. Father, I just pray for everybody listening in today that that revelation of truth will just permeate throughout their being, that their hearts will be transformed as a result of it, that you will bring them to the, the fullness of understanding that, Holy Spirit, your job, we, we, we know that your job is to, to lead us into all truth. So we give you permission for that. We yield to it right now. And I just declare that every, every, every uh, false thought, every vain imagination that has risen against the knowledge of God in Christ will be taken captive by every single one that there be no confusion we cast on every every confusing thing and vain imagination that would cause people to be disabled from walking in the fullness of the character and the love of the father through the authority of christ jesus for the earth because we have a great responsibility to set the oppressed free and to be a light in this earth and we can't do that when we don't know what we're talking about we can't do that when we're not walking in it and we can't do that when we have a misunderstanding about who the god is that we're claiming to have relationship with so i just pray father right now that whatever blockages whatever confusions whatever false doctrines have been sown in and caused people to walk in uh less than what you've commissioned us to do that you begin to reveal it to them and for them to find a teaching find a teacher find a a, a mouthpiece a, 
a trainer, a pastor who knows the kingdom and walks in the kingdom and begins to desire to demonstrate it as a result of that authority of Christ is living in us so that we don't remain in a place of, uh, of apathy and lethargic, useless, fruitless, saltless, lightless lifestyles, but instead that we produce the kingdom for the sake of your glory and to set the oppressed free in Christ Jesus. And I just receive it by faith that it is done. And that people by this, by this uh, oppression that has been going around our country, use it for what it can be used for. And that is a point of reference to say, I need to get myself together and begin to seek after the Almighty and be transformed by the renewing of my mind. And so we just call this thing done right now. And I believe it is going out across the airwaves to permeate through every single being. And we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you so much. Thank you so much, Jeremiah, for your time today. And uh, we'll have you on again in January if you have time and uh, when you guys get back. And we'll be looking Sounds forward to great, talking man. to you again. awesome. Thanks for having me on. Bless you guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, God bless you guys. All right. Bye-bye.